Hello, and welcome to The Goldmine, where you can find new investment insights from your favorite financial writers every day. I'm Barry Ritholtz, and this is The Confusing State of Inflation Inputs. I believe the consensus about inflation is wrong. My priors, the dominant driver for the past three decades, has been deflation with the occasional spasm of inflation. We saw this in the mid-2000s, and we're seeing it currently. In fact, most of the current price increases are due not to traditional inflation, but complications from a shutdown due to the pandemic and reopening. I expect many of these issue-driven price increases to eventually normalize. Some of those increases, especially wages at the lower half of the pay scale, well, those are likely to be sticky. The better word is reset for some price increases, but you can still use transitory to those price spikes that are likely to fall back to a more modest annualized rate of increase as the world returns to normal. This will not occur until adjustments are made in both the manufacturing and transportation logistics. This is why so much inflation confusion abounds. It's too easy to focus on whichever prices confirm your priors, either inflation spike due to wage increases or transitory due to temporary logistic problems. Let's consider some of the prime drivers of how we got to this point in the economic cycle and why these complexities have led just to a general misunderstanding about rising prices. Let's start with retail surge. Hey, it wasn't much after the lockdown began that retail sales exceeded pre-pandemic levels. Consumers and businesses are flush with cash, some of that due to the CARES Act. There are lots of reasons why they've accelerated purchases, both generally and online. Retailers, for the most part, have been unprepared for this surge of buying. They have too little inventory and too little staff to manage it. Their systems are just not up to the task. They're inadequate. It'll be interesting to see which companies rise to the challenge of this massive retail spending surge caused by all this cash. Number two, reopening. Vax-driven, post-pandemic economic reopening. That's not something that we have a whole lot of experience with, but it is something that's revealed the constraints to supply chains and why just-in-time inventory is so awful in the event of any sort of an emergency. Supplies of everything from raw commodities to semiconductors to finished products like single-family homes, they've been constrained and the process that led there has been decades in the making. The pandemic lockdown and reopening has really revealed lots of flaws in the system. I've talked about wages before, especially the lower half of the wage scale. Average hourly wages for this group has lagged everything for over 30 years. Productivity, corporate profits, executive pay, inflation, all of these have raced ahead of minimal wage compensation, bottom half wage compensations. What we're seeing now is a giant catch up, right? This isn't forward looking inflation that's going to be continuing to push as time goes on. This is simply catch up caused by the imbalance between job openings and the labor to fill it. Finally, the balance of power between capital and labor has shifted as it does every few decades. It goes back and forth between labor and capital. For 30 years, capital had it easy. Jobs were not as plentiful and wages were cheap. Now that's reversed. Jobs are plentiful. Wages are catching up. Lastly, deflation. We've become accustomed not only to low inflation, but to actual deflation. For the past 20, 30 years, the prices of goods and services, they've been falling in real term. 
I don't mean their acceleration has been slowing down. I mean, prices have actually been falling, at least until the end of 2020 and, and then 2021 and likely into 2022. We're in one of those spasms of inflation against the background of deflation. It's reasonable to presume inventory and supply chain will catch up sometime over the next, I don't know, 12, 16 months. But I don't really see this going much past 2022. By 2023, things should be back to normal. Finally, I have to say a few words about the comparison to the 1970s era stagflation. They're just outright weird. Any sort of comparison between the two eras reveal so many more differences. Interest rates, unemployment, wages, the famed misery index, far more different than similar. In fact, I would go so far to say it's a silly comparison, and I think the people who make these comparisons are not making them in good faith. It's tribal partisanship and not economics. Let me give you a few examples as to why these two eras, the present and the 1970s, are so different. Start with energy prices. Yeah, they've risen substantially this year. Crude oil is back over $80 a barrel. I just tanked up. Premium cost me $4.17 a gallon. I think that's the most I've paid in a while. But here we are, and crude oil and gasoline are back to where they were five years ago. They're still far below where they were from 2006 to 2008, when crude oil briefly hit $150 a barrel, and you were regularly tanking up at 5 or $6 a gallon. Regardless, None of this compares to the 1970s. Crude oil prices quadrupled from $3 to $12 a barrel, and then it doubled again. Keep in mind, in the 1960s or 70s, before the oil embargo, the average U.S. family was spending nearly 10%, nearly one out of 10 of their dollars of their household budget went to energy. Today, it's less than 3% on the way to 2%. So even if oil prices go up substantially, it doesn't have the same impact on the household budget. It's not just households. Jim Reed of Deutsche Bank shares a chart showing just how much less energy intensive the U.S. economy is today. It makes the oil surge far less impactful than it was in the past decades. Back in 1970, energy intensity in the U.S. at a level of 100. Today, it's less than half than that. It's, it's between 40 and 45. It's a fraction of what it was. So the move off the lows for energy, it's significant, but not only is it not comparable with 2007, it's not even remotely like anything in the 1970s. Keep in mind, stagflation applied not just to inflation, but to how bad the job market was and, and how weak wages were. Is that describing today? If we're contemplating wages, you have to recognize you have a, a huge number of turnover, and we've talked about this before, massive number of voluntary quits, massive number of new business formation, and 10 million open jobs. This is not the 1970s. It's laughable. And if we're contemplating wages, we have to note productivity. What are employers getting for each dollar of wages they pay? In 1987, Robert Solow famously quipped, you can see the computer age everywhere, but in the productivity statistics. Hey, a lot's changed since then. It took a full generation, but technology is everywhere. It's the default setting for nearly all workers. The productivity of these workers have been making steady gains over the past few decades before the pandemic. And once the pandemic and lockdown hit, everybody held their breath wondering, how much is productivity going to plummet? Well, guess what happened? People didn't have to commute. They, they were able to manage themselves. They weren't spending their time running around, going to the bank, the dry cleaner, the whatever. It turned out that productivity skyrocketed. And for white-collar work-at-home workers, their productivity output measured per hour tripled during the pandemic. 
Richard Clara, he's the Federal Reserve vice chairman, said, quote, rising productivity is one reason to think inflation will be temporary. In other words, employers are not just belatedly paying workers more, they're paying them more and getting greater output per hour from the workers. This is an offset versus inflation. It's quite different than the 1970s circumstances. And finally, since we're speaking of the Fed, Something to think about. The staff of the Federal Reserve observes that Wall Street is getting inflation all wrong. Bloomberg News reported that the Federal Reserve has an army of more than 400 PhD economists with a message on inflation for policymakers and the American public. Chill out. Why is this newsworthy? Because Wall Street is filled with, let me be blunt, terrible economic forecasters. Even worse, they've been terrible about inflation. And when we compare the forecast made by the Fed economists versus Wall Street, not only does the Fed group beat the Wall Street economists' consensus, they do so by a wide margin. Of the many Wall Street opinions you can underweight, inflation is near the top. Hey, listen, I'm not blasé about inflation risks. I can see where reasonable people can disagree. On balance, we have to consider the totality of the circumstances. And those suggest that the concerns over stagflation or persistent annual inflation beyond 2022, they're just wildly overwrought. For more from me, check out The Big Picture at Ritholtz.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is brought to you by Ritholtz Wealth Management. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities mentioned on this podcast. If you're new to investing, check out liftoffinvest.com to get started with us today. Sorry.